This episode is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, Organics. Look for their newest line, Pristine, the only complete line of pet food made with responsibly sourced ingredients. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org slash pets. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. You're listening to Feast Meets West, the show where we tell the story behind your favorite Asian dishes. I'm Linda Liu, and on the line is my co-host in Hong Kong, Iris Van Kirkhove. Hello from Hong Kong. We are broadcasting live from Heritage Radio Network at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Every episode, Iris and I dig deep on a dish or an aspect of Asian cuisine, and we interview experts on the topic. Linda, I can't believe it's already the last episode of our summer season. Yeah, seriously. Um, Before you know it, fall will be here, and then the holiday season, and then 2018. Yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. (laughs) So, as usual, Linda and I like to kick off the show with a question for each other, and that is, what's the best thing you ate in the past week? Yeah, so something really simple and delicious I had um, were these uh, perfectly crisped and fried um, steak fries from this uh, local restaurant that opened up recently in my neighborhood of Greenpoint. Um, It's called One Bedford, um, and it has great outdoor seating, so highly recommend it for folks who want to take advantage of that while the weather still lasts. What about you, Iris? What did you have? So for this week, it wasn't so much what I ate, but what I drank. And um, basically, there's this new Vietnamese restaurant that opened up uh, by work, and I have a friend who works there. I went to get a banh mi to go, and I was like, yeah, can I get a Vietnamese iced coffee to go as well? And she's like, oh, we don't have any to-go packaging. Uh, (laughs) So, But you can try a sip of my coffee. And I was like... This is delicious. What is this? And she basically took the Vietnamese iced coffee without the condensed milk, and then she just added coconut water. Mm. And, like, I've never... I'm disappointed in myself because apparently this is a thing, especially in the health food world, to add coconut water to coffee, and I've never heard of it. But it was delicious. Yeah, how can you call yourself... try it at home. How can you call yourself a health nut if you haven't heard of it? But now you have. Yeah, I guess not. So, anyway, today is a special episode for two reasons. The first, it's another installment in our Asian Breakfast series, hashtag FMW Asian Breakfast. Every season, we want to explore a couple of Asian countries' take on breakfast because it's so different to what we eat in the West, but also because it doesn't get much exposure. Uh, We've talked to Chef Yo of Pinto Garden about breakfast in Thailand and Tony Chan of Tim Ho Wan about dim sum in the past. 
And today we're going to be talking about Japanese breakfast. The second reason why today's episode is special is because, back by popular demand, is the Yuji Ramen team in the studio with us Yay. once again. Welcome back, guys. <laughs> Yay! Welcome. So, if you've listened to episode nine, you'll recognize JT Vung and George Padilla of Okonomi and Yuji Ramen in Williamsburg. What we dive into during that episode, uh, or what we didn't dive into that episode, is the Okonomi side of what they do. By day, Okonomi serves traditional Japanese Ishiju Sensai set meals for breakfast and lunch. And by night, Okonomi becomes Yuji Ramen, offering their seafood rich ramen and the brothless style of ramen mazumen. And all of this magic happens under the same roof. So, welcome back to the show, guys. How have things been since we last chatted? Thank you.、Uh, things have been going well. Went by pretty quickly since we saw each other in March. But uh, uh, right after the last episode, JT left for Japan to help open the Yuji Ramen in the Ramen Museum in Shin Yokohama. So, that's so cool. An so, update on that. Yes.、Um, it was. It's pretty crazy, I'm just gonna say that.、Um, people eat so much faster there, the amount of volume is so much. Like, I think we serve maybe, on average, 50 people here a night. Got it. In a, what's that, let's say, four or five hour period.、Mm-hmm. Over there,、um, we serve like 900 people in one day. And a day is from like, I think, 10 or 11 to like 9 or 10 at night, only 12 hours. Wow. And then there's like so much dead time, but, you know, lunch and then. Right around 5 p.m., it just completely slammed. Yeah, and I guess like the, the space is completely different too, right? Because at the museum, you have everyone that's coming into like a larger area, whereas your space in Williamsburg、um, has you know, the, the tables and, and that. So, it's, so actually, it's only 10 more seats. Oh, okay. So the restaurant we hold 12, and the museum is 22.、Mm-hmm. But the orders are just much, much like. People, people finish it in 10 minutes and then they're out ready to go somewhere else. Yeah, serious about the ramen. It's、yeah. like the true style of like. Yeah, and they probably ate like three or four bowls right before coming in, too. <laughs> so, Amazing.、Yeah. And great reception, it seems. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome.、Uh, I ate at a few other shops there, too.、They're, they've been there pretty much since opening, and they're all you know, super huge names, super popular.、Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what a good crowd、yeah. to be around. Um, and so, for the listeners,、um, could you guys just like remind you know, us your roles at Okonomi and Yuji Ramen? Sure. Well,、uh, Okonomi, it's a restaurant located in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and it's a really tiny 12 seat kind of intimate neighborhood kitchen.、Um, and Uh, from the introduction, you know, we serve Japanese breakfast during the daytime, and、uh, I spend most of my time at the restaurant in the,、uh, on the dining room side of things, which is it's really all the same room because there's, there's just a kind of a kitchen, a counter, and then two tables in the restaurant. But uh, uh, I'm the general manager of the restaurant, and so、um, pretty much <laughs> try to take care of things that don't involve the kitchen, which JT is a head chef of Okonomi and Yuji Ramen. Um, he keeps things going in the, the back of house over there. A great partnership. Yeah, it's fun. Try. <laughs> <laughs> so, Iris, 
What were you excited, and what was your question from earlier? um, Moving into today's topic, um, I think one of the reasons why I love learning about what other cultures eat for breakfast is that it's the ultimate comfort food to me. And in a sense, it's very personal because it's a meal that tends not to vary as much and be tied into our routines. So before we get into Japanese breakfast and what Okonomi does, George and JT, can you tell us a bit about what you guys grew up eating for breakfast? Well, JT's pointing to me to start <laughs> first here. Well, um, so I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, but both of my parents had met in St. Louis, and they were they're both immigrants from the Philippines, so... Um, I grew up eating fish for breakfast, which is the same as the kind of uh, main protein we serve at the restaurant. And, um, you know, I I always remembered it being, uh, you know, feeling a little bit uh, different than, mm-hmm. than my classmates in, in grade school growing up because nobody else was eating cured and salted smoked trout and, and rice and tomato and eggs all together. So... Um, you know that that's definitely something that I uh, have carried with me, just to crave rice and fish in mm-hmm. the morning. But uh, but I do very much fondly remember eating a lot of sugary cereals and watching <laughs> Saturday morning cartoons. I think Cookie Crisp was among my favorites, and Cinnamon Toast Crunch. But <laughs> yeah, that's part of the Americanization process. Yeah, yeah, it was. You know, I think it's prerequisite for growing up in that time <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm, I've pretty much spent most of my life in New York uh, I was born in Taiwan but I moved here when I was three uh, I ba- basically ate something kind of similar to basically Japanese breakfast like there's not as much miso soup for instance but still rice usually some kind of protein left over from the night before mm-hmm. um, either blanch or like light sauteed veggies maybe some like light pickled cucumber or something but at the same time I also ate a lot of stuff that's uh, from here, basically, like, you know, typical bodega sandwich as a kid still. Uh, and then cereal, a ton of sweet cereal, but I'm more of a Frosted Flakes type person. Uh, I would Opinions. <laughs> I would eat the first bowl, leave the milk, and then pour a second serving into there. So by the end of it, it's like, sugar was like super, super saturated. There's like crystals at the bottom. Probably not that good for me. <laughs> Sounds amazing. You know the good tricks. Um, so switching gears to talk about Japanese breakfast, um, would you guys be able to share what are some you know typical Japanese breakfast items, both you know modern and traditional? What what are some popular things that are being eaten these days? Well, I mean, now that the world's like more you know more uh, connected, I guess I'll call it. Uh, a lot of people eat you know basically anything still. It's it's uh, I forgot where I read it. It was some one of those random food blogs, but but they uh, surveyed forty different people, different ages in Tokyo, and they all ate completely different things. Mm. Um, some of them included not eating much, like you know we do, and then some of them included more of a stereotypical uh, what people would see as like a Japanese breakfast: always rice, miso soup, and pickles. Mm-hmm. You could get a bit more extravagant. You could add uh, you know, eggs, veggies. Pickles are always Based the basis, I guess. Got it. Or rice and pickles, I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, soup is always super central, but pickles are always there as well. Uh, they can maybe be made a bajillion different ways. Each region does a bit differently. Uh, but light pickles are generally the most common ones. It doesn't take much effort. And if you made any errors, you could tweak it along the process. Whereas if you have like a two-month ferment, you're kind of 
in bad shape if it's not coming along. Yeah. Uh, onigiri too, the rice ball, super popular. Mm-hmm. Easy to so eat. So not just for a snack, it's like a breakfast thing too. Yeah, it's it's just because it's convenient. Mm-hmm. You get carry real room, you know. Yeah. And how has, you know, um, I've never actually been to Japan, but, um, you know, have you guys seen like Western breakfast foods take a hold there as well? Or? Uh, yeah, there's it's I mean, Western, there's a ton of Western influence in um, Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at every other like country uh, with really, you know, uh, highly revered cuisine, there's a ton of, you know, Japanese staff in there as well. They're always interested in learning someone else's cuisine and bringing it back to Japan. And for the same reason, or I mean similar reason, there's always like a ton of, uh, for instance, like westernized breakfast spots in Japan. And a lot of other countries too, same thing. Because people want that like American meal that they saw in some movie or some TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so talking about what you guys do at Okonomi... You guys serve traditional Japanese Ishiju Sensei set meals. Can you tell us what that is and describe kind of what that set meal entails? Sure. So Ichiju Sensei, the um, that phrase translates to one soup and three sides. And wow. uh, at Okonomi, our Ichiju Sensei set meal, it's uh, with miso soup, rice, uh, pickles, as JT mentioned, is always kind of a staple. And then... Um, tamagoyaki baked Japanese style like custard and then daily fish changes as well as the other vegetable sides so it's really meant to be a pretty consistent format and concept for the set meal but uh, adaptable to each day to um, what's available fresh and and quality at the market and also uh, over time of the year just adapting to the seasons too Mm -hmm. so at Okonomi you basically just choose fish and everything else just comes out all the same. Um, and it's super pretty as well. Thank you. Um, so is this phrase um, something that comes you know, from Japan, or is this a concept that you guys came up with, that UJ came up with? So, the, I mean, it's, it's basically the basis of like a good meal, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, because we do have that here too. It's like a protein and like two sides or something like that. Yeah. So I guess that's a common saying um, in Japan. Yeah, it's like a it's a good way to build like a good base for a meal. Mm-hmm. I think it was a, what protein two sides here or something. Meat, meat, meat and three. Two, oh, meat and three. Yeah, some, something something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like rice is always staple. A soup is always good to have because part of the whole, a lot of the basis of philosophy is matsunai, which we follow a lot as well. It's, you know, you don't want to waste anything. And then if you're breaking down a lot of stuff, there's a lot of, you know, scraps, for instance, or bones that you don't want to just straight up throw out. It's a complete waste. And a lot of time it's, you know, one of the best things to make actual soup out of. Yeah, that's super cool. And so how did you guys come up with this particular combination, um, you know, with the fish and like, you know, the egg and in addition to the standard um, rice and pickles? Well... The reason for all of this, um, our founder, founding chef, Yuji Haraguchi, he, uh, he originally conceived the restaurant as a, uh, a, a sort of a base for his Yuji ramen pop-ups that, mm-hmm. um, back in the day, 2013, 2014. I think so. Yuji was doing 
um, his kind of distinctive style of, of seafood focus and vegetable focus, mm-hmm. uh, local ramen at Smorgasburg and Brooklyn Flea and Whole Foods and various pop-ups. And so Okonomi originated as a as kind of the base that he was planning to build out a kitchen to, to prep for these uh, these other events. And um, you know, over time, the, the idea kind of morphed into a full-service restaurant. Um, and Yuji's background is in fish and seafood. He, mm-hmm. he moved to the East Coast from Japan and originally worked in Boston and then coming to New York and um, as a fishmonger and selling fish to a lot of great restaurants in, in Boston, New York, and actually traveled a bit around the country too. So uh, through that, he, he came to... Uh, appreciate local fish and seafood that yep. uh, from the from Long Island, New Jersey, New England, which are the ingredients that we've come to really try and showcase and feature at the restaurant. And uh, instead of just being open for a specific thing like ramen, or eventually adding on a tasting menu or omakase concept to the restaurant, um, Yuji felt it was very important to have a uh, daily, more accessible meal for the residents in the neighborhood to mm-hmm. just come in and um, and experience what we do and, and um, just provide something for the community. So yeah. that's how the breakfast uh, cool. originated at Yuji Ramen. Yeah, and, and kind of like take advantage of the daytime too. Yeah, absolutely. It was also a, a meal that uh, Yuji was nostalgic for. Um, oh, you know, yes. that, that he didn't have, uh, you know, see see many other people doing in, in New York. And mm-hmm. so it it also kind of filled a, a niche that that he thought would be, uh, uh, you know, yeah, a contribution. That's, that's <laughs> great. And so, what are some typical cooking methods um, for the breakfast preparation? Well, for us, it's it's pretty easy because we don't have any gas in the building. It's all electric, so we, we're kind of limited to begin with. Uh, we just have induction burners and a one convection oven, but every just about everything is just either uh, blanched or roast in the oven. We don't... Very rarely do we actually add any extra oils or anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and in your opinion, uh, what are some qualities people should look for in a good Japanese set breakfast like this? I think it's the same in most cuisines. Uh, you always want to look for people that use local seasonal ingredients mm-hmm. and then kind of try to maximize what they have. Uh, the whole... I mean, the whole... Uh, philosophy behind Japanese cuisine also is local and like hyper seasonal not even seasonal like within a week is kind of considered a different season uh, especially in like kaiseki mm-hmm. uh, format but it's just looking for the, the best of season and then also people that are properly utilizing the ingredient not like I need you know half a carrot so the other half is going to be you know going in the garbage right um, and what are some of your like favorite iterations um, that you guys have served like do you have a preference for the fish or, um, you know, the preparation of rice? Always bluefish. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and why? Why is that? Bluefish is great. It's, uh, well, it's for... It's staple now. Yeah. For, for those of you that, that might not be as familiar with bluefish, and actually I wasn't familiar with bluefish until um, I first had bluefish in, um, as a customer, one of Yuji's shoyu ramen, and it was kind of flaked and... and used as a topping for the ramen, but it's really become a staple at Okonomi um, for one of the choices for fish when it's available, uh, very common around Long Island, New Jersey, kind of 
light gray meat and a bit fatty and oily so it always comes out of the oven very soft and juicy mm -hmm. and um, our favorite way of preparing it is just shiyaki meaning just just salted and then roasted so just a natural simple fresh flavor of the fish itself yeah like yesterday or no sorry two days ago we got a really really nice fatty one in when we pulled it out it kind of looked almost fried but basically it was fatty enough where it was kind of essentially frying in its own juices oh wow but it, it's it's one of those fish also that's a little bit, since it's a bit more oily than, you know, the average fish and super local, so a lot of people have a bad experience with it. Uh, it's Because it's oily, it tends to go bad faster, so if you don't properly, your, your handling's not, you know, very nice. Mm -hmm. By the time you bring it home, it's going to be one of those, you know, generic, stinky, smelly, like, stereotypically what people call fishy Yeah, taste. sure. Cool, good insight to that. We're going to take a really quick break, and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, Organics. You put a lot of care and thought into what you eat. After all, you're a food radio listener. That thoughtfulness goes hand in paw with how you feed your pets. Purposeful pet food doesn't happen by accident. Castor and Pollux scours the earth to carefully select the best organic and responsibly sourced ingredients. New Pristine from Castor and Pollux is the only complete line of pet food made with ingredients that are responsibly raised, caught, or grown. Feed your dog or cat the new standard, like grass-fed beef, wild-caught fish, and vegetables grown without synthetic fertilizers or chemical pesticides. Pristine from Castor and Pollux. Purposeful pet food. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org pets. Welcome back. You're listening to Feast Meets West. We have the guys here from Okonomi. Um, so, George, JT, what does the name mean? So, it, it actually means as you like it, which is kind oh. of funny and ironic because <laughs> you don't really choose much outside the fish from us. Right. Uh, originally, uh, when Yuji first found, or started doing this whole project, he did it with uh, Luke, uh, who's in LA now. Shout out to Luke. Hope you're doing well. Um, Shout out to Luke. They wanted to do a and like an okonomiyaki restaurant and also serve shaved ice. But as time went on, their ideas changed. Uh, they started doing more of the ramen omakase and Whole Foods. As, uh, and then they, bought, they uh, developed the space to do the ramen omakase. And then breakfast came along. And then the breakfast kind of just blew up. Mm -hmm. um, so what are some other cool, like useful Japanese words you could teach us around the concept of Japanese breakfast. Uni kudasai. <laughs> what is that? Or uni onagaishimasu. Uni, please. Oh, See always you. uni. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Unfortunately, yes. it's only in season like six months of the year here. And we only serve it like six months a year. And what are those months? Uh, about September, October till about April or May. Uh, we get it from Maine. So it's once the warm seasons come, you kind of don't want to mess with that kind of stuff. 
Oh, interesting. Uni is probably the the number one requested thing yeah. at Okonomi. People see pictures of of uni swimming in the sweet soy sauce and onsen tamago poached egg and and that people just go crazy for it. It's it's pretty decadent. It's yeah. a good upgrade to your it's breakfast. It's like the truffle of the sea. Yeah. 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 It's all right. <laughs> so, but I mean, otherwise, I think um, you know other things that are, are useful to know, and and you should never actually have to know any Japanese language to appreciate Japanese food. I don't, I mm-hmm. don't think, or or to be able to you know navigate Japanese menu at a restaurant because mm-hmm. when you feel like you, are, you know impressing someone, <laughs> right? If you if you like to go that route, yeah. But wherever you are, I mean, you know, I think it's uh, I, I think it's always good to trust the restaurant that you're at that they're going to be bringing you the best that they can offer so mm-hmm. but that being said i think you know uh we we never expect people to to know japanese terms but we do like to introduce them mm-hmm. just you know to give people some familiarity um shioyaki as i mentioned with the bluefish that means just roasted with salt there's actually four different ways that we prepare uh, the fish at the at the restaurant, depending on the type of fish and depending on you know just what what the kitchen feels like doing that day. But shioyaki, and then we have two kinds of marinades, and then one type of cure. So JT wants to yeah. So we do um, misozuke, um, kasuzuke. Kasuzuke is uh, basically you marinate with sake kasu. That's like the sake leaves or like the rice pressings. Mm-hmm. Um, Adds like a nice, nice sweetness behind it, and since sake is not that crazy strong or fermented taste, it, there's a little bit of that, you know, alcohol and fermented taste behind it, but it's it's not the dominant feature. Uh, and then finally, kobajime is basically a seaweed cure. Mm-hmm. You could do it for sashimi or even just to cure fish to cook. It'll kind of like it used to be the the really old school way of like preserving stuff, like for sushi especially. It draws out a lot of moisture, and it also uh, adds like a lot of salinity to the fish. And basically, high water content, low salt content is how you breed bacteria, and this is the opposite of that. Got it. Very cool. And it tastes nice and nice and oceany and briny. Yeah. Um, so during our Yuji Ramen episode, we were talking about how the concept is really, you know, based in Brooklyn. Would you say that you know Okonomi is the same kind of Brooklyn type of uh, Japanese food, or is it more traditional Japanese? Honestly, I would say we're actually so Yuji Ramen is more like Brooklyn and then Japanese, whereas Okonomi is more uh, has the roots in uh, Japanese cuisine and then more respawn for Brooklyn. A lot of it is based on more appreciating like ingredients, nature, the you know the environment. And utilizing it as and messing with it as little as possible, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like a really old, like Buddhist uh, <laughs> mindset. Very cool. Yeah, I think looking at kind of you know if you look at okonomi and yuji ramen as the two sides of the restaurant, and looking at how each of the concepts originated, um, it makes sense that yuji ramen is more kind of New York, Brooklyn uh, aesthetic because the point was to feature these East Coast. Uh, fish and seafood and produce and so you know the emphasis is really on on showcasing those ingredients whereas with okonomi um, the intent was to provide a japanese breakfast experience for people and so it's tending more towards introducing 
more of uh, the traditional elements, but still applying it to our region here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great balance. So, also speaking about like you know cultural differences. Um, you know, having grown up in the U.S., um, but also now working in um, a space uh, that is so focused on, um, you know, Japanese type of breakfast. What are some kind of differences that you find between the two cultures? What What are some like kind of prominent things that stand out about like how the different cultures approach breakfast foods or not at all? Well, I, I think it depends on where, you know, if you're looking at Western-style breakfasts where, which, you know, there's still a huge range of different kinds of Western breakfasts, but um, I think one, the Western breakfast that comes to mind for me most is kind of a diner breakfast, and mm-hmm. so a little bit greasy, a bit of bacon, and, you know, a little bit more uh, hearty, um, and definitely a lot more uh, starches, I think, pastries and, and breads and, and things like that, which um, bread and pastry is something that's quite a treat for us since we eat so much rice and noodles, so uh, actually I, I do crave those things pretty often these days. It's, I mean, aside from being, I feel like it's almost a respawn, it's the breakfast, like the Western breakfast I think of is a bit more, you know, farmhand type. Mm-hmm. Like you need to load up on a ton of calories and go. Even though in Japan there's a ton the purpose, of yeah. yeah. Even though in Japan there's still a ton of that. I don't. It's more based on nutritionally balanced versus here I feel it's more like calorie based. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's an interesting take on it. And so, do you feel like you know um, Asian breakfast foods are underrepresented here in the U.S. right now? I think a little bit, but it's also more of a, a palate thing. Mm-hmm. If you look at Japanese cuisine in general, it's Everything is uh, basically less salted. Uh, a lot of the flavors are brought out through use of umami versus adding more salt, whereas Western cells, you salt everything to, you know, can't taste the salt. I mean, sorry, no, that doesn't make sense, sorry. You salt it just enough so you don't taste the salt and the product comes out. But the, some of the Japanese chefs think that once you do that, you, mm-hmm. a lot of the more subtle tastes are kind of taken away because the main flavor of that ingredient is kind of just pushed forward past everything else. Got it. Um, that's cool. So um, you guys have your set menu, but will there be any future changes to what customers can find at Okonomi beyond the daily changes in ingredients? Yeah, we um, so we actually are, are working on a, uh, a kind of new offering during the daytime um, that... Uh, well, we've talked about the ramen menu. We've talked about the breakfast menu here, but uh, maybe for our third visit, we should talk about our tasting menu, yes. omakase. So um, the, at the beginning of this year, the uh, Okonomi omakase menu um, uh, started with uh, kind of the, the charge Yuji gave JT was to uh, take what the, he's created for the Okonomi menu and apply it to a dinner setting and kind of really expand and and, uh, and showcase over eight courses um, everything that he's learned by preparing these uh, dishes with that kind of regional seasonal focus and with also the uh, Motanai philosophy and uh, Washoku tradition so um, now it's kind of it 
moved from daytime okonomi breakfast into a dinner tasting menu and we're trying to bring some of those elements back in for sort of uh, an expanded breakfast tasting and we just did kind of a pilot run for um, one of our guests this week and it went really well so we're, we're excited to roll that out possibly in the fall and um as a way for people to make a reservation for breakfast, which oh, is going to be cool. uh, and a lot of people only it's like a special thing to, for them to be in with, and maybe come once or twice a year because they're visiting or whatever reason. And we feel like, well, we can't change the regular breakfast too much. It's kind of iconic in itself now. Yeah, you want to be able to offer people a little bit more as well. And there's not many places you could go early in the day, especially to get like a nice, you know, three course uh, set meal. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're definitely filling that pain point of the hungry stomach during mm. the day. It's yeah, like you treat yourself to a nice day off kind of thing. Yeah, there's nowhere to drink sake at 9 in the morning <laughs> yeah. around here. So oh, shucks. We're trying to, trying to fix that. Um, that sounds really great. Uh, and what's next for you guys, you know, kind of like personally and professionally at um, Okonomi and Yuji Ramen? Uh, Keep hustling? Mo- yeah, most of the same, just... <laughs> Like everybody else, just got to do better and do, do better. Um, we're always so focused in the current moment that we always forget we have to set a new project up ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but just making sure everything's better and better each time. Nice for me. Yeah, I, I think appreciating the current moment is very important. Um, and so you know, we just really are having a good time. Um, seeing all the people come to Okonomi and from all around the world and it means a lot to us that people are rather to support our tiny restaurant so yeah we're, yeah. we're looking to keep on doing this and, and doing more we served the same meal for like three years but it doesn't really feel like three years it's every moment is like a every day is like a you know complete different day even though we're almost doing the exact same thing it's like just appreciating that people come in to see us mm-hmm and it just has a whole new spin because we might never it's like you know it's it's their one meal that they're going to come in for the year or something or um you really make it special for them it it kind of shows in the preparation and then the taste of the food itself and that's i think that's the like the epitome of like a good dining situation is that on all sides people care about or appreciate what you know the other side is trying to do for them yeah, which is nice. 100%. Well, that's beautiful. <coughs> GT George, that's yeah, awesome. I love that. Keep doing what you guys are doing. Well, thank you for having us. It's yeah. so good to be back here. And that's yeah, it for our show you, today. Thank you, GT and George. Thanks, Iris. Thank you. Sorry to wake uh, you up. For listeners who want to learn more about Okonomi or Yuji Ramen, where can they follow you guys online? Um, Instagram at Okonomi BK. That's O K O N O M I B K. And that's also the same as our website domain, okonomibk.com. There's a a mailing list if you want to visit the website. You can sign up for all the announcements about tasting menu reservations. And also uh, Osakana is the fish shop component of the restaurant. And they're doing great things there. It's three blocks from the restaurant, cooking classes, cooking lessons. We just, we want people to be doing what we do, but at home. So, yeah, share the love. Uh, thank you, listeners, for your support. We love putting together this summer season for you, and we really can't wait to do it again for the fall. 
We'll be taking a short break, so you won't see any new episodes for a few weeks, but you can follow us on our social media. You can sign up for our mailing list uh, and visit us on feastmeetswest.com for more content and updates. We'll be back next season with more conversations from the world of Asian food. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.